You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning and welcome to Focus on the Liturgy here on Catholic Chicago. I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship. And with me remotely is Timothy Johnson. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Timothy. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, too. Thanks. Uh, Timothy, this is the first time that uh, our show, which airs every fourth Wednesday of the month, here on WNDZ and on Facebook and YouTube now. So uh, this will be our first show uh, for which will be recorded for YouTube and, and Facebook. Well, that is very exciting. And you, this is the day that you can't be here in the studio with me. So <laughs> I'll break it in for us. There you go. <laughs> Happy New Year to you, Timothy. Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, it's been uh... It's, it's kind of crazy how fast the last few weeks have gone by. I know, I know. From from Christmas to a shortened ordinary time before Lent begins next month, and uh, uh, a brand new, as we said last month, a brand new liturgical year. Yeah, and we're we're definitely in it. Uh, just some great uh, great readings during ordinary time that we've been hearing, um, and. Uh, just very inspiring with everything going on in the, in the country, and oh gosh, just many things to be grateful for. Yeah, yeah. The calls, the fir- the calls of the first disciples, the uh, uh, all of the uh, the the beginning of Jesus's public ministry, all all of that that just reveals even more who was born to us uh, this past Christmas season that we celebrated. Exactly, and and I was just reflecting, uh, you know, most recently the, the the scripture passage of the call, and the homilist at my parish pointed out something. It just you were saying that that I've never really reflected on before, and he really reflected on what were the disciples who were mending their nets doing, and it made me really kind of question or ask myself, like, am I the one in the boat still, uh-huh. uh, mending my nets? Or, you know, am I responding um, in this new year, in this new time, um, with, uh, with a different kind of fervor than maybe I have in, in the past? Um, so, yeah, it really invited me to reflect on where I'm at in my own discipleship. Exactly. And, and all of us. And I think it does all of us. Well, as our listeners know, this show is devoted always to breaking open some aspect of the communal, corporate, public uh, worship life of the church. We talk about uh, the uh, the liturgical seasons. We talk about the various rites. We talk about the sacraments. We talk about uh, various elements of liturgy. And today, we're going to continue a periodic series that we began uh, last year of looking at the four main parts of the Mass. And uh, Timothy, which ones have we looked at so far? Well, so, so far, we've looked at the introductory rites. Um, which we did way, gosh, way back in the in the spring, I think, um, where we just broke open and looked at that very what seemingly goes by pretty quickly in the in the liturgies often, 
but that opening dialogue, the entrance procession, all those different pieces in that, and broke that open, which led us then to the Liturgy of the Word, where we broke open and looked at the first reading, uh, sort of the theology behind that, the structure of the Liturgy of the Word, from first reading all the way through the Gospel, homily, certainly the uh, profession of faith and the intercessions. And we began, if I'm not mistaken, we began looking at the Liturgy of the Eucharist, but we didn't get very far, (laughs) if I recall. (laughs) We did not, because there are so many great things to talk about. And and unlike you know the introductory rites or the concluding rites, which we'll get to at some point down the road, is you know both the Liturgy of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist are, are substantial, obviously. So there's a lot of great content, and the Liturgy of the Eucharist, of course, culminating um, at the Eucharistic table. Um, and so, yeah, we, we did not get to everything, because we... We were, uh, as usual, talking about so many wonderful things. I think we had an opportunity to begin talking a little bit about the preface. That's what I remember as well. So maybe, maybe just to uh, uh, orient the uh, the uh, listeners, we we talked about how the liturgy of the word flows almost seamlessly, right, Timothy? Almost seamlessly into the liturgy of the Eucharist. We we have stood as the body of Christ. We have uh, professed our faith. Um, in 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 the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we profess our belief in the Church and in the communion of saints. We, on that faith, then um, raised to God our intercessions to pray for the world and the Church and the uh, marginalized and the poor, uh, the sick and the dead. And then after that, we move into you know. So having had stood and addressed the Father as the body of Christ. Then we move into the liturgy of the Eucharist. And uh, uh, it was that whole dialogue, um, the preface dialogue, uh, that we just really broke open a lot. So just for our listeners, maybe recap that for us. Yeah, so that that preface dialogue begins with, as most of the major uh, parts within the liturgy, with the presider asking, the Lord be with you. And we respond in with your spirit. It sets up this stage, this opening dialogue is... um, Permission's not the best word, but it, it's what's coming to my mind, is it's the whole Church saying that we, um, on the behalf of the Assembly, we want the presider to carry forward with this prayer and, and lead us in this prayer, in persona Christi Capitas, in the person of Christ, the head. And, and it is this uh, dialogue, really, that um, draws together and makes clear that it is the whole Church uh, who will pray this prayer, who will, in a sense, confect the Eucharist um, as, as we go forward. And so, you know, we give thanks to the Lord our God, it is right and just, you know, that should sound familiar. And then it goes into, depending on the preface, there are many different prefaces in the Missal. Um, some are attached to certain Eucharistic prayers that, that are unique to that. Um, others, like most in ordinary time, there's a variety that the presider can choose from that have different kinds of themes that break open an aspect of the Paschal Mystery. So when you're at Mass next time, or over the next year even, pay close attention to the different text in those prefaces, because they they try to illuminate something very um, concrete or particular about the life of Jesus that certainly his life, death, and resurrection in a, in a particular way. Or the, the season that we're in, or the celebration that is, that, you know, that that, that, mm-hmm. that that we are in the midst of. So, for example, if there were a uh, um, uh, an optional uh, Mass for the Blessed Virgin Mary on a Saturday, 
the presider would use one of the prefaces for one of the Marian prefaces for for those prayers. Exactly. And they always like I, I like what you said, Timothy. The preface the preface always kinds of it sets the stage for the praise and the thanks that we are offering to God the Father through Christ in this celebration, whatever this day is, or this season, or this feast, or this solemnity. It's funny you say that, because I was thinking, you know, for for the listeners um, who may remember, I'm an editor at Liturgy Training Publications, right? And I'm thinking about this um, recently, that, you know, the preface uh, in the Eucharistic Prayer in some ways works similarly as a preface in a book, where it's trying to set the stage up. Um, you know, give a, a brief kind of introduction, um, a taste of the season, as you said, Todd, or that particular part of the mystery, before we get into the narrative, before we get into the whole piece. Well, as I was thinking about that, I, I know from my own experience, especially when I was in college and grad school, I often skipped the preface, because I was like, oh, I don't need to read the preface. Yeah, it's, it's not part of the Eucharistic prayer, right? Right. That's what right. you would think, but that's so wrong. <laughs> And so, yeah, exactly. So we need to, uh, yeah, we need to read the preface. We need to pay attention just as we would in a book. Um, and I've learned my lesson now that it's, it is helpful to to read the uh, the preface, because that great preface then ends um, with, um, as, as very familiar or similarly familiar in, in all the prefaces, and so with all the angels and saints, we exult and bless your name, some some variation of that, and then we burst out into the song of holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts. Yeah. When when we come back from this break, let's actually uh, break open one of the prefaces. Great. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back after these messages with more Focus on the Liturgy. It's a new year. Many of us are making goals, trying to stay healthy, and planning for ways to make the most of every day during and after the pandemic. At Catholic Charities, we continue to meet people who are struggling to meet their basic needs, like housing, food, and stability in their lives. In these challenging times, the face of need is your neighbor, and the face of hope is you. Imagine how the world would look if we all saw each other as neighbors. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. Hello, I'm Cardinal Blaise Supich. I got my COVID-19 vaccination and you should too. It took just a few seconds and was painless. The Food and Drug Administration determined the new vaccines are safe and effective. And the Holy See, as well as the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has concluded getting the COVID-19 vaccine is an act of love of our neighbor and part of our moral responsibility for the common good. We have lived with the pandemic for many months, and I know we're all getting tired of it. 
Vaccination is one of the most important ways you can protect your health and the lives of those you love and help bring the pandemic under control. When it is your turn, I urge you to be vaccinated. And remember to do your part by wearing a mask, washing your hands, and watching your distance. Thank you, and God bless you all. Charity's 20th Annual Divine Affair will be held on Saturday, January 30th as a very special virtual event. Fantastic packages are available to make your in-home participation incredibly festive and memorable. In past years, over 400 guests have come together to sample elegant wines and the latest craft beers from over 90 vintners and brewers from around the world. Enticing raffles and special guests will help to make this 20th annual celebration extraordinary. Proceeds of Divine Affair go to Catholic Charities self-sufficiency programs that have helped thousands of individuals gain their confidence and start on a new path towards independence. Join us for this fabulous winter event. For more information, go to catholiccharities.net or call 847-814-3839. That's 847-814-3839. We look forward to seeing you on January 30th. Cheers! Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on WNDZ, part of Catholic Chicago Programming. I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship. And I'm Timothy Johnston with Liturgy Training Publications. And uh, during this show, we are continuing our periodic series on the four main parts of the Mass. And uh, this this uh, show, we are breaking open the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Um, Timothy, before that last break, we were talking about the preface. Uh, every Eucharistic prayer has one, but it occurred to me, maybe we should just do a, a little bit, just in general, um, a about the Eucharistic prayer. Um, uh, how old is it? Where does it come from? How many of them are there? How do, how do, how, how do we get uh, approved Eucharistic prayers? Maybe just in general to help the, the listeners get a, a context for this. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. The, the, I think one of the main things to focus on is the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. And these prayers, what we do as an assembly, as a church, the baptized, our priesthood of the baptized, if you will, this is part of our role, is we are praying this great prayer of thanksgiving. Um, and it really is a, a prayer addressed to God, ultimately. To the Father. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, that we are offering this great thanksgiving. That's, that's what's key to, to remember. In the Missal, in the Roman Missal, there are four main Eucharistic prayers, and uh, some of those are really uh, quite ancient. I think it's Eucharistic Prayer 2, Todd, if I remember correctly. It is, yep. comes from the 2nd century, is that right? Yep, it comes from the 2nd century uh, from Hippolytus of, of Rome. Um, the, uh, uh, the, so literally, it is the oldest one. So, so Eucharistic Prayer 
two is based on that. I always thought the, you know, yeah, like you said, Timothy, four main Eucharistic prayers that are used, and and they title them very originally, right? <laughs> Eucharistic <laughs> prayer one, Eucharistic prayer two, Eucharistic prayer three. <laughs> uh, whereas others uh, get more, um, ex- uh, you know, explanative uh, titles. But yeah, Eucharistic prayer two is the, there's some trivia, right? Some Eucharistic prayer trivia. Eucharistic prayer two is the, uh, is the uh, oldest. Eucharistic prayer four is the newest um and the longest right eucharistic prayer eucharistic prayer two is the shortest um eucharistic prayer one is what um many many may may remember um it's based it's based on the one prayer that we had um in the missal prior to the second vatican council yeah i think that's something really important to point out was um, for a long time within the Church, I mean, certainly from the Council of Trent and, and probably even a little before that, um, all the way until the Second Vatican Council, we only used one Eucharistic prayer right. every time Mass was celebrated. And so the addition of these ad- extra uh, prayers, um, not only with some of the new ones, but reclaiming um, some of our earlier tradition in both the East and the Western churches and drawing those into um, the missile to broaden and, and really provide a beautiful wealth of what we call eucology, or those Eucharistic texts, those prayers we use at Mass. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would say the most common that, that folks would be familiar with would be two or three. That seems to be what, in my own experience anyway, um, in the places I've lived, that most priests use two or three. Um, four is one of those prayers, as you said, Todd, is, is rather long, um, but it's beautiful, um, and it's primarily for ordinary time. Um, Sunday's an ordinary time. That's why it was the way it was composed. Um, and that one has a, a, a preface that's attached to it right. that you can never change. So if you use Eucharistic Prayer for, you always hear the same preface, and it recounts beautifully this story of salvation um, and, and just really walks through some, some imagery that I don't think we hear very often because it, it's not used very very regularly. Right. Right. Eucharistic prayer one, or often referred to as the Roman canon, uh, that's the one where um, during the uh, various parts of the Eucharistic prayer, we will uh, name um, the ancient martyrs, uh, the the ancient martyrs and saints uh, with the apostles and uh, and, uh, Linus and Chrysogenus and uh, Lucy and Agnes. It's it's, it's a a beautiful, uh, beautiful prayer. Um, Eucharistic prayer two is the prayer where we pray for the dewfall, <clears throat> that the Spirit may come upon these gifts like the dewfall and make them into the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Eucharistic prayer three is known for that beautiful line from the rising of the sun to its setting. May, yeah, I, may well, a perfect uh, offering be made to you. I love that image, uh, Todd, that from the rising of the sun to its setting. Um, and what I love about that, and I, I don't know if people make this connection, but it, it's this idea of that the whole world, not just from the rising and the setting of the sun here in Chicago, but it's this image of that God encompasses all creation. Um, all the nations uh, are, are involved in this in such a beautiful a beautiful way. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And then uh, it's one of my favorite lines, too. And then, as you noted, uh, Eucharistic Prayer 4, which is actually based on the Eastern um, uh, anaphora, uh, right. that um, 
that has that beautiful preface, like you said, that recounts uh, recounts uh, salvation history. And so, so those are the those are four. Are, how do you do you know offhand how many approved Eucharistic prayers there are? Oh, I, I do, but not, it's buried in my brain this morning. Ten. <laughs> I knew it was it was a little bit more than certainly the four. Yeah. Because prayers for reconciliation, and then some prayers for various needs and occasions. Yeah, you know what? Let's 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 just be kind of uh, uh, identify those prayers when we come back from this break. Great. Stay with us. We'll be back after these messages for more Focus on the Liturgy. a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. Throughout our nation and our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy. I'm Todd Williamson. I'm Timothy And we are talking about the Liturgy of the Eucharist. It's part of a periodic series that we've been doing on the four main parts of the Mass. And uh, Timothy, before that last break, um, we were just kind of talking about the the Eucharistic prayer in general, kind of its history and, and how many there are. And um, 
uh, just in terms of, of numbers, uh, right before that break, we said that, that there are 10 approved Eucharistic prayers that can be used um, in, in, uh, in, in the Mass in the United States. Um, there are different, there are some uh, conferences of bishops, which are normally countries, um, there are some that, that have Eucharistic prayers that we don't have, right? For example, in Italy, there is a prayer, a Eucharistic prayer that is used uh, that comes from the Milanese, the, the Milan uh, sacramentary, I believe. Uh, that's that's not in in use here in the United States. Yeah, and I think in the I think I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but in the Mozarabic rite as well, which is in Spain, in in Toledo, but I I might have that a little mixed up. But yeah, there are definitely um, possibilities for that, and the the church law actually permits um, these new prayers in special circumstances or when a conference, um, uh, you know, presents them for approval and whatnot. And so um, it's a great gift uh, to be able to continue to enrich uh, the church uh, in, in that way. Right, right. So we, we already said name the, the uh, four uh, main prayers that are our are, are Eucharistic prayer, one, the Roman canon, two, three, and four. Um, but then, but then there are, are uh, six others. Yeah, we have uh, the uh, two prayers for reconciliation, and that would um, be that would be when the mass itself is um, the theme uh, of the celebration or the theme of the the season is um, reconciliation or penance. Correct? Uh, yeah, and the missile actually, I, I'm always surprised by this because these again maybe aren't as used as frequently as, as certainly two or three would be. But the missile says, you know, if there's a mass uh, for promoting harmony or reconciliation, of course, or perse- uh, preservation of peace and justice, if there's civil war or some sort of civil disturbance, these kinds of prayers can be used for that. I would even say within a community, if, if there's something happening within the parish community that maybe is causing a rift of some sort, that this is a way of helping the community pray through that uh, uh, to seek reconciliation. And that. I mean, again, some beautiful images in these, in these texts. There's even the allowance, which is relatively new, for the prayers for reconciliation. Remember, there are two of them, two versions. Um that uh, that can be used in the Sunday on the Sundays of Lent because right. of Lent's focus on penance as a means of preparing us to renew our baptism. Exactly, and 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 again, if you haven't picked them up, definitely do because there's some great imagery in that. Beautiful imagery. And then then we have uh, basically this Eucharistic prayer for various needs um, that comes. Uh, and, and Todd, you might have to help me with the history on this, but it comes out of the. A Swiss Synod. Yep. Um, it was part of a, a, a project where they basically wrote a Eucharistic prayer that has four variable prefaces um, that that goes with it. And they are pretty thematic, and these can be used in different. You know, in the back of the Roman Missal, there's a whole section of masses for various needs and occasions. So some of what I just said, like promoting harmony or um, for the Pope or for, for the, Pope. the civil for for the the beginning of the civil year mm-hmm. for I, I mean there are some really for a good harvest there's a mass there's a mass yep. there's a mass setting for um, unity of Christians unity of all people there's a mass setting for um, uh, for the for for a couple celebrating their 50th anniversary I mean it's there's just a number of 
masses for various needs and occasions. This is exactly what their title calls them. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so these Eucharistic prayers can be used with those. It's not required that they are. You can still use one of the other Eucharistic prayers. Um, but if the theme matches or it works, you know, it would make sense to uh, to attach it. So I was just sharing with Todd before before we sat down to record our show today and said that our, the pastor at the parish I was at this uh, most recent weekend, was uh, he used one of these prayers. Um, because of everything going on in the country, he wanted to highlight and what he preached about. It really beautifully connected with the, the scriptures, the way he preached, and, and kind of everything unfolding um, in, the, in the country and in the church. Nice. So they really are great. Nice. You know, so just real quick, it does change our numbering just slightly, in, in a sense. So like we said, there are the four main Eucharistic prayers, the two for reconciliation, there are three Eucharistic prayers that can be used in masses with children, where the where where the assembly is mainly children, um, and then this one prayer for various needs and occasions. But like you said, Timothy, there are four forms of that. So technically, if you press that out, we have <laughs> we have thirteen approved Eucharistic prayers for use in the United States. Right. And uh, Timothy and I, as he said, um, based on our conversation, we decided that uh, to walk through the Eucharistic prayer, we're going to use one of the Eucharistic prayers for various needs and occasions. Uh, And we're going to use um, version four of that, which is titled, Jesus Who Went About Doing Good. And we'll pick that up when we come back for the second half of Focus on Liturgy. So stay with us. Charities After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit AfterSupperVisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to the second half of Focus on the Liturgy here on WNDZ, a program of Catholic Chicago, and to those who are watching on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship. 
And I am Timothy Johnston from Liturgy Training Publications. We are breaking open the Liturgy of the Eucharist and are set at this point. So we've given some some context. We've talked about the beginning. Um, we, we, we've talked about the, uh, the history of the Eucharistic prayers. We have 10 approved for the United States. Um, but, but Timothy, all, all 10, even though there are 10 different prayers, all of them follow the same format, right? Yes. Everyone uh, has the same format, which is, uh, we'll kind of outline that for you if you're taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> so that first part, which we, we already addressed a little bit, is the preface dialogue. That, that begins kind of the structure of that. But when you get into the meat of the prayer, then you have what we call the thanksgiving, and then the acclamation, epiclesis, the institution narrative, or the supper narrative, some will, will call it, um, the anamnesis, and the oblation, and finally the intercession. And then that everything ends then with that final doxology, that great amen. So all the prayers, even though there are 10 different ones, they all follow this same outline, this same format. And, and I think that what's, what's good about that, Timothy, is I think that just shows the, what, is, what is at the heart of the celebration of the Eucharist? Unity. Unity with Jesus Christ, right? And the fact that all of these Eucharistic prayers, though we have 10 to choose from, they are unified among themselves by following the same outline, the same format. All of them have these, um, these seven elements. You know, and what, I, one of the things that I really love about this when I was studying liturgy is you can trace these pieces of the Eucharistic prayer really back to some of the very first Eucharistic prayers, even the, the snippets we have. I mean, Justin Martyr even kind of notes some of these pieces, um, even if it's not as explicit as we have today. And I just think that's fantastic and really profound to think about, that this structure continues to be the way that the people of God offer its thanksgiving to God. Oh my gosh, what, what a great, what a great insight, Timothy. That is, I think that is very profound. Well, yeah, you want to dive in? and, and Like we said before the break, we're going to break open now the Eucharistic prayer for various needs and occasions. This is version four, Jesus who went about doing good. So, Timothy, why don't you lead us through? We, 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 we ha, you know, have that, um, that basic format of the, uh, the preface dialogue, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, lift up your hearts, and then, then we get into the preface for this prayer. Yeah, so it begins, it is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Father of mercies and faithful God. For you have given us Jesus Christ, your Son, as our Lord and Redeemer. He always showed compassion for children and for the poor, for the sick and for sinners, and he became a neighbor to the oppressed and the afflicted. By word and deed, he announced to the world that you are our Father and that you care for all your sons and daughters. And so, with all the angels and the saints, we exalt and bless your name and sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. And then the holy, holy. I, I, the, the prefaces you said earlier, they, they, do, they do more than just simply set the stage. They, 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 they profess our faith, right? I mean, they, they really do. And this one in particular, I think, is just beautiful. 
you know, it, and, and it, it, it starts with that standard line, which is part of every preface, right? It is that one that, that follows right after the dialogue. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father of mercies and faithful God. That is part of every preface. Uh, but it, what, 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 a, what a profound truth it, 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 it professes for us. It is our duty. And it's our salvation. Our salvation depends on us always and everywhere, not just in this mass, right? Not just for these, for these 60 minutes, but always and everywhere to give you thanks. It reminds me of that, that image and Benedict's rule. Like we pray, uh, you know, constantly praying, you know, our work becomes our prayer even. So always and everywhere. Exactly. It's Paul. Pray, pray unceasingly, pray unceasingly. Yeah, and then and then that 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 second paragraph, um, actually the third one, uh, where he always showed compassion for children and for the poor, for the sick and for sinners, and he became a neighbor to the oppressed and the afflicted. And I and I, I when I hear that phrase, that paragraph, Timothy, I always go, oh my God, that addresses every single person in the world. Who in the world has never been right, a child or poor or sick? or sin, a sinner, or uh, uh, oppressed or afflicted. Who in this world has never been that? Nobody. Nobody can say that they have never been one of those things. And the prayer says, he always showed compassion for us. Yes, and that is something, so just as you're saying that, it's, the prayer not only helps us understand the person of Jesus, but it's catechetical as well in the, in the same kind of vein of we're being invited as baptized people to embody these things. Like, as Jesus showed compassion, we too are to show compassion to children of the poor. We're to be good neighbors, yep. et cetera. Yep. This, this would be, um, in, in that outline you gave, this would be the, the very first part of every Eucharistic prayer. It's just a, a thanksgiving. It is right and just, our duty and our salvation. And then the acclamation, which we just noted, the holy, holy part, it, that ends the, the preface in every single Eucharistic prayer, right? Exactly. And I think it's important to note with the holy, holy, is uh, this is... When, when the assembly erupts in song, I mean, that's why I love how the Eucharistic prayer, or when the preface ends, whether it says we acclaim or whatever that phrase is, is we erupt in song. <laughs> and it's this place in the, in the Eucharistic liturgy where we here in this time, in this place, break into the song, the ongoing and unending song of the angels and the saints and all of creation. Like, our voices are united to that unending song of praise. So that's one of the places where, in a sense, heaven meets earth, if you're using that image. Oh, my gosh, yes. I, th I, oh, I think you just nailed it, Timothy. This is one of those places where we're reminded that heaven and earth are united in, you know, the, the, and the introduction to the, the uh, general instruction on the Liturgy of the Hours uh, talks about it this way, that there is one great hymn that is sung through all the halls of heaven for eternity. And what it reminds me of is that acclamation is that we take part, we join our voices in the Eucharist to that great hymn that's prayed and sung throughout the halls of heaven. Timothy, let's pick it up there with the uh, epiclesis and the institution narrative when we come back from this message. So stay with us. We're breaking open the Eucharistic prayer here on Focus on the Liturgy. Thank you. 
Catholic Charities staff members work every day to end poverty and homelessness. We do this on a one-to-one -one basis with anyone who asks for help. We also work with organizations who study these issues across our city, state, and nation. The Wilson Sheehan Lab for Economic Opportunities, or LEO, at the University of Notre Dame is one of these research centers. Through our partnership with LEO, Catholic Charities has gained valuable insights into scientific evaluation methods that determine the most effective interventions to help people avoid poverty and homelessness. Along with our experience and compassion, trusted research is helping Catholic Charities offer hope and so much more to anyone in need. For more information, visit catholiccharities.net. The word made clear is exactly what its name implies. It's an easy to understand explanation of the word of God, the gospel. Hello, I'm Father James McElhone, Director of Biblical Formation for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'd like to invite you to take our free online Bible study program by going to thewordmadeclear.org. Our website offers an audio-based guide to the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Listen to my lectures and follow along with the handouts provided. There are even discussion guides. You can also explore the biblical roots of the Mass. And there are links to a wide variety of biblical sources that will benefit both teachers and students of the sacred scriptures. Just go to wordmadeclear.org to experience our free online Bible study program. Again, it's free at wordmadeclear.org. It's the Word of God. Enjoy. Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on WNDZ and to those of you watching on YouTube and Facebook. We are breaking open the... Um, Eucharistic prayer. Uh, as we said, we uh, have this periodic series of looking at the four main parts of the Mass. Timothy, we're not going to get through the whole liturgy of the Eucharist today. <laughs> but, oh, no, but I think we can, I think in these last two segments, we can get through the whole Eucharistic prayer. I think we can do it. We ended there uh, uh, before the, the last break with the uh, uh, the final preface acclamation, the, the Holy Holy, which unites our voices with all the angels and saints. And then we move into the next part of the prayer. Go ahead. Yes, the next part of the prayer um, leads us into the epiclesis. Uh, so Greek, are... A Greek term? Greek uh, in, in, its, in its origin? Yeah, it's a, it's a term that means calling down the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that part of the prayer um, is therefore most, uh, excuse me, therefore, Father, most merciful, we ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit to sanctify these gifts of bread and wine. And this is the part where the presider has his hands um, over the Eucharistic elements upon the altar. And it's this idea of calling down the Holy Spirit um, to come upon these gifts uh, in, in that case. And that then leads us into the institution narrative, um, ultimately, which we didn't get. Uh, so, let the Holy Spirit come down, make these, sanctify these gifts of bread and wine, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it begins with the institution narrative. On the day before he was to suffer, on the night of the Last Supper, he took bread and said the blessing, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. 
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, gave you thanks, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in memory of me. This is another part, Timothy, that I think is just in- interestingly, uh, another part that is the exact same in all Eucharistic prayers. So all, no, matter, no matter which one is being used, the institution narrative, the um, uh, supper narrative, the words of Christ are the same in all of them. Yes, and that, that is it's sort of the heart of, of the prayer in some ways. And I, wanna, I do want to point out, is, you know, this is something that came out of the Second Vatican Council. It's the whole prayer that consecrates. Right. You know, the whole, but these, these words of Jesus, right out of Scripture, this is the heart of the matter. Um, in, in the sense of, of what uh, what we do here. Yep, yep, exactly. Then I, I, I do think the prayer takes a, a, a an unusual twist right here, Timothy. You, you made note at the very beginning of this show that the Eucharistic prayer is always, always, always addressed to God the Father through Christ in the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. This is, at this point in every Eucharistic prayer, however, there's a switch, we stop addressing God the Father, and we address the Son, right? We address the second person of the Trinity, who has just become sacramentally present here on this altar, and we do that in the acclamation. Yeah, this, uh, so this, the anamnesis, that memorial prayer, or the acclamation. So the presider says, the priest says, the mystery of faith. And we respond with one of the three um, uh, acclamations that are in the current missal. We and, proclaim death, O Lord, when we eat this bread, or save us, Savior of the world. And if you look at those, Timothy, all three of them are addressed to Christ, to the second, to the second person of the Trinity. And so, why, why, Todd, is that inserted into the prayer here? Well, I think it's it's as I as I just said, the priest announces, acclaims. The mystery of faith. And what is the mystery of faith? That Jesus Christ remains with us in the consecrated Eucharist. Uh, it, it, it's a proclamation of the real presence. That's the mystery of faith. And in that moment, we address the one who has just become sacramentally present before us. Yeah, it's, and, and, yeah it's, it's the way that we can acclaim what's been going on. Right. We, um, we acclaim that faith, right, that mystery of faith, by addressing Christ. And then the prayer switches again and goes back to addressing the Father. And this, this, this would be the, uh, the anamnesis part of, uh, that is part of every Eucharistic prayer, which, uh, which is a great—so we're, you know, epiclesis, anamnesis, we're, we're teaching some Greek here, as Father Jim McElhone likes to say <laughs> when, when he teaches about Scripture. Um, anamnesis, just real quick, Timothy, I think is a—I think I, most people— that word, that Greek word, reminds them of what English word do you think? Amnesia. Which means to forget. But this is the this is the not forgetting part of the prayer, right? Right. It, 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 we remember all of the great things that God the Father has done through Christ. And, and it's something that's maybe a little hard for us sometimes to grasp, at least it is for me, uh, because it isn't just this memory of something long past, 
it brings that into the real into the present. Yes, that we are in in this ongoing liturgical celebration. Um, it it's it's not that we re-sacrifice. It's not a a, a play act of what happened. It's the one sacrifice of all eternity, right? That we are in, inserted into in this moment. If, oh my if I'm, gosh, yeah. I'm not even sure I'm explaining that well, but it can be a hard concept to say. Um, so the prayer continues then in, in that vein in this, in Eucharistic Prayer 4, our uh, Masses for Various Needs for. Therefore, Holy Father, as we celebrate the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Savior, whom you led through his passion and death on the cross to the glory of the of the resurrection, so remembering all of those deeds, mm-hmm. and whom you have seated at your right hand, we proclaim the work of your love until he comes again, and we offer you the bread of life and the chalice of blessing. Look with favor on the oblations. So that transitions then into the intercessions, right? Right, the, the offering. Um, so that look with favor on the oblation of your church, that offering that we've presented, in which we show forth the paschal sacrifice of Christ that has been handed on to us, and grant that by the power of the Holy Spirit of your love, we may be counted now and until the day of eternity among the members of your Son, in whose body and blood we have communion. I, again, I think some of that is just absolutely beautiful. We proclaim the work of your love until he comes again. Timothy, before we take this this last break, um, I think it's worthwhile for every listener to reflect. So how have you, in the last week, proclaimed the work of his love? How, how have you, in the last week, proclaimed the work of his love until he comes again? That's what we pray every Sunday. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll finish up looking at the Eucharistic prayer. We'll be right back after these messages. It's a new year. Many of us are making goals, trying to stay healthy, and planning for ways to make the most of every day during and after the pandemic. At Catholic Charities, we continue to meet people who are struggling to meet their basic needs, like housing, food, and stability in their lives. In these challenging times, the face of need is your neighbor, and the face of hope is you. Imagine how the world would look if we all saw each other as neighbors. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. Hello, I'm Cardinal Blaise Supich. I got my COVID-19 vaccination and you should too. It took just a few seconds and was painless. The Food and Drug Administration determined the new vaccines are safe and effective. And the Holy See, as well as the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has concluded getting the COVID-19 vaccine is an act of love of our neighbor and part of our moral responsibility for the common good. We have lived with the pandemic for many months, and I know we're all getting tired of it. Vaccination is one of the most important ways you can protect your health and the lives of those you love and help bring the pandemic under control. When it is your turn, I urge you to be vaccinated. And remember, to do your part by wearing a mask, washing your hands, 
and watching your distance. Thank you, and God bless you all. Charity's 20th Annual Divine Affair will be held on Saturday, January 30th as a very special virtual event. Fantastic packages are available to make your in-home participation incredibly festive and memorable. In past years, over 400 guests have come together to sample elegant wines and the latest craft beers from over 90 vintners and brewers from around the world. Enticing raffles and special guests will help to make this 20th annual celebration extraordinary. Proceeds of Divine Affair go to Catholic Charities self-sufficiency programs that have helped thousands of individuals gain their confidence and start on a new path towards independence. Join us for this fabulous winter event. For more information, go to catholiccharities.net or call 847-814-3839. That's 847-814-3839. We look forward to seeing you on January 30th. Cheers! Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on WNDZ. Those of you watching on Facebook and YouTube, we are finishing up the Eucharistic prayer. Timothy, we have about six minutes to do so. <laughs> we, 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 we went through the, the various parts. Uh, we talked about the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, institution narrative. We talked about the remembering, the anamnesis, the offering, and now we move into the intercessions. So yeah, after the offering, we come to four different intercessions um, in, in the prayer. And the first is, bring your church, O Lord, to perfect faith and charity. And that's when we pray for our unity with the Pope and the local bishop, um, in that sense. But again, we're asking that the church be changed in this, um, in, in this action. The second one, open our eyes to the needs of our brothers and sisters, um, and to inspire us then with words and actions. So here in that second petition, which is a little longer, of course, and beautiful. In, oh, my in gosh, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I'll just read this real quick at the end. And may your church stand as a living witness to truth and freedom, to peace and justice, that all people may be raised up to new hope. I just— I love that. I, I'm so I'm sorry to jump in. I just absolutely love that, Timothy. And I always wonder, what might a new hope look like? That we may be raised up to a new hope. Isn't that beautiful? But then it makes me think, well, what what would a new hope look like? So yeah. something for our, our, our listeners to ponder. Yeah, that's a great, a great uh, insight there. So open our eyes to the needs of our brothers and sisters. I love that. And then we come to the third part of, of that petitionary prayer where we pray for those who have died. Um, and this is one of the reasons why in the general instruction to the Roman Missal, there isn't a, a category in the intercessions to pray for the dead after the liturgy of the Word, because it happens in the Eucharistic prayer, where we gather the names of those in our parish around the world. So remember our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the peace of Christ and all the dead whose faith you alone have known. Yeah. And, and that's a really profound thing. In the early church, they would inscribe the names of the dead, and those names would be placed upon the altar— um, for part of this prayer, but that that will sidetrack me, so I won't go there. No, no, it's, I, I do, I do think, <laughs> I do think that it's it's important to note that every one of our Eucharistic prayers um, have this intercession for the dead. We always, always, always we pray for the church. We always pray for those in need. We always pray for those who have died. 
Exactly. And that then leads us to that, that final prayer where we say, grant also to us uh, that we may come to an eternal dwelling place and live with you forever. So praying that our actions, our daily living, will lead us to the kingdom of heaven. Um, and so we do that in company with the Blessed Virgin, with St. Joseph, and all the saints um, that, that are named there. I, I, I love in the intercessions, Timothy, we, it, isn't, it, it isn't until after we pray for the church, after we pray for those in need, after we remember the dead, then and only then do we pray for ourselves. We're always the last, which I think is wonderful. And, and yeah, even the way it says, and grant also to us, it's almost this deprecate, uh, deprecative uh, thing. Well, and I guess we should. It's almost like a by the way, right? Oh, and by yeah. the way, <laughs> grant exactly. to us as well. Pray for us too. We pray for us. <laughs> and, and so then our prayer comes to a close with the final piece, that final doxology. And so that, the, that final intercession ends with, we shall praise and exalt you through Jesus Christ, your Son, that we, the great doxology, through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, how glory and honors is yours forever and ever. And Amen. Claim, yes, yeah. so be yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's it, again, that, that reminder that you just, Timothy, we're reminded that this whole prayer was offered through Christ, through him, with him, and in him. It is only because of Christ's great prayer of praise and thanks that we can even join, our, you know, enter into it, because he prayed it first and prays it for all eternity. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, the next time you're at Mass, I encourage you to, to pay very close attention to the words of the Eucharistic prayer and just the different pieces we, we've uh, talked about today, when we really just scratched the surface in so many ways, but, but certainly touched on some beautiful, uh, beautiful things to reflect on. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I, Timothy, that's a great suggestion. I echo that. Pay attention to the words of this prayer. It is our prayer. It's the prayer of the body, the church that has gathered. It is voiced through the head of that body, um, but everyone uh, enters into that prayer. Uh, that is in the general instruction of the Roman Missal. That is in the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy. This is the prayer of the Church, and because of that, and and with that, because it's the very prayer of Christ. Great job of walking us through this. Uh, the words they they are beautiful. Thanks, Timothy. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. So that'll set us up for uh, finishing the Liturgy of the Eucharist at a later show. Until then, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Focus on the Liturgy. God bless, everyone. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.